Well, so far we have studied or had an introduction, talked about fools. Uh, David did a good job for us on anger. Uh, we've talked about fear of the Lord, uh, listening, hearing, and uh, we tried to make brownie points last week on the worthy woman or the virtuous woman. Tonight, the title is Two Paths. When you think about where you're going or you're going somewhere and you're looking at the way you're going, what are you looking at when you look at, I'm saying, paths or the, or the roads? What are you looking for? You're looking at a map. I'm using uh, Google. Destination's important. You want to end up at the right place, don't you? What else? Most reliable. In other words, uh, for us vintage people, we don't want to go up hills both ways, do we? If we're walking. Anything else? Do what? Hazards. Hazards. Good point. We want to pick a road that doesn't have construction all the way. I guarantee you, Roger and I, we look at those things when you're carrying a 40-foot RV behind your truck. You don't want to get it caught in construction, do you? When we think about paths like that, let's turn to uh, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. You know that this is the last chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has what I call given us the constitution of the Bible. Um, Brian has gone over part of it with the Beatitudes and on and on. But in Matthew chapter 7 and verses 13 and 14, it says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go by it. Because narrow is the gate, difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few that find it. When you look at this, there's a wide gate or a wide road and a, and a, and a narrow gate, isn't there? Or a narrow path and a broad path. And what's the difference in that as we're reading this? The broad path leads to destruction. The narrow path leads to life. Okay. John, you had your... how to get on either path in that same chapter. And with that, with this narrow path and broad path, who makes the choice? We do, don't we? Now, we can be led by somebody, can't we? But we still have to make the choice to do that, don't we? When you um, think about that, and you see this path, I put on there the broad path. It's carefree, plenty of room. You're not having to worry about anything. And there's no rules. And what does the Lord say about that one? Are there going to be just a few going down that road? Many will go. Why will they go? It's the easy way, isn't it? On the other side, there's focus, isn't there? There's focus, just like you guys said, you're looking for that destination. We're looking for heaven, aren't we? We're going down the road. 
we know there's going to be some difficulties. We know that as a Christian, we won't walk a path that's just going to be perfect all the time, is it? But we also know that there's commitment on that side of the road, isn't there? Commitment that says, I want to do what the Lord says and get to the right place, as well as being submissive. On this particular occasion, who did G or which path did Jesus urge people to go down? And you know, when you take that and you go back to 633, it says, seek first what? The kingdom of God. So we're focused, aren't we? We're focused here to, to where we're seeking. And when we look at that path, many go in destruction. And he even says here that that way, if we choose that narrow path, that few will go down it. That's kind of scary, isn't it, for us as Christians? Um, when you think about that, and I'm not saying it for us as Christians here as a family, but that narrow path is a lonely path in a way, isn't it? I'm talking about us compared to the world. Because how does the world look at us? As, I mean, as a Christian, but what do they think? Well, you got too many rules. You can't do this, you can't do this. And a lot of times, because you don't drink and carouse and party, what are you? You're separate. Sometimes you don't even get promotions, do you? Because you're not part of the game. And the issue comes down to, do you want to go life? Or do you want to go happiness just for a season? You know, just for while we're here. Are you in it for the long run? If you're still in the New Testament, go over to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Well-known passage that, that most everybody knows about. In John chapter 10 and verse 7, it says, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. He's the entrance, isn't he? He's the way of the sheep. Verse 8, all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he won't be saved. Is that the way your version says? He will be saved. And will go in and out and find pasture. Talks about the, the thief again. Um, but it says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives life for the sheep. And as you know, when we go down to verse 16, and other sheep I have which are not of the fold, then also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be how many flocks? So there's one path. <laughs> one flock. One shepherd. Any comments about this kind of introduction? If you uh, think about these two paths in Proverbs as we take it, the way Proverbs set it up is they set it up the wicked and wisdom is, is involved. And I didn't make one broad and one narrow. There's two paths. 
And it comes down to the same thing in Proverbs as it was in Matthew. Who chooses? We do. And as our choice, it's, it's like a saying someone said, it is an important thing for us to think about that what we do in this lifetime will dictate what? Where we, where we will go, won't it? Because I've said it before, you don't have purgatory, do you? You don't have something that somebody can say a prayer for you after you're gone. It's the old story, you can't take... Uh, you know, the wagon loaded with stuff there. You've got to make a choice. And when, when you think about that choice, if you'll turn over to Proverbs chapter 4, Proverbs chapter 4, we're going to be looking at some things in there. Proverbs 4. If you go to chapter 4, I went to the first part of it is wisdom and the wicked, and I chose wisdom. If you look at Proverbs 4, 10 through 12, verses 10 through 12 of chapter 4, it says, Hear my son and receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in the right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered, And when you run, you will not stumble, if you notice through 12. So here is a situation that is exactly what what you said. If you choose the right path, it's not saying that it's going to always go smooth. But here in Proverbs, it says it helps us in life, doesn't it? And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. It takes us through life that if we pick that right path, we know what we're looking for, don't we? We know what our goal is. And with that, it says we're unhindered if we will follow the good shepherd. And there's no stumbling. Why would do you think the, the Proverbs writer here would put that there's no stumbling? Uh, It's verse 12, and when you run, you will not stumble. What does that mean? Your your path is laid out before you, and you've already examined it. Wisdom and stuff that you seek, you've already evaluated, and you know the right direction to take, so there's nothing in front of you that's going to stumble you. And, And we'll go in further on that. It's exactly what you said. You want to look at any kind of hindrances, don't you? You, you want to be prepared, don't you, to go down this path? Part of the preparation is what for us spiritually? Being here, studying the Word, studying the Word at home. And if we're not prepared, we could stumble, couldn't we? And we've taken stumbling throughout the Bible that when you stumble, you falter, don't you? You either fall... But you're not in control, are you, when you stumble? And if you're not in control, that means that, that something's going to happen, isn't it? And it's maybe something that we don't like. <laughs> and here with this wisdom, when you go to the next verse, and you look at verse 13 of chapter 4, we've already read about 
walking, uh, when you walk your steps, you won't be hindered. It says in verse 13 of chapter 4, take firm hold of instruction. Do not let it go. Keep her, for she is your life. There is a part of this that I haven't gone over. If you look at the path from the very onset of the two paths require movement, doesn't it? It requires action, doesn't it? In order to get from point A to point B. I mean, we've got cars now, but I'm saying walking down this path, walking the way of the Lord takes action, doesn't it? Sometimes when we look at things as far as this wisdom is concerned, many Christians today will say, have you been baptized? Yeah, been baptized. Well, are you a Christian? Yeah. Well, what are you doing? Well, I've been baptized. That's part of it, isn't it? That, that's part of that walk, isn't it? It's part of that pathway but what does it say farther down in Acts 2? It says they continued how? Steadfastly in the faith, didn't they? Or in the apostles' doctrine. So there's a part of us that this wisdom is great to talk about. It's great to be involved, but it's a continuing uh, lifestyle, isn't it? Did you have your hand up, John? Buy the truth and sell it not. Very similar to that verse you got on the board there. Exactly. And when, when you take this wisdom, we've, we've talked a little bit about wisdom. Wisdom is, be, is the point that you will use your knowledge in a correct way, won't you? You'll make the right decisions. You'll go down the right path. You'll make sure that you understand which path you need to go if you're using wisdom, won't you? Well, there's the other side to it. The wicked in 4 and verses 14 through 17 will stay in the same chapter. Verse 14, it says, Do not enter the path of the wicked. Now I'm reading out of the New King James. Yours might say something different. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Verse 15, avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. Isn't it interesting that what it says basically here, don't even get started in the wrong way. Because what happens? It gets worse, doesn't it? I think I've said it before. There's been years where we interviewed bad guys. And if I was given a five cents for every one of them that said, well, I got with the wrong company. I got with the wrong people. And where did they lead me? Wrong path, didn't they? And here it says, don't even begin, don't even continue, avoid it, stay away, keep going. Don't be involved with it. Then when you get down further and you look at uh, verse 16, or, or really let's go back up to verse uh, 16, for they do not sleep 
This is talking about those that are going down the wicked path unless they've done evil and their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. So here's a situation that's saying they don't even sleep unless there's evil involved and that they know that evil's consuming the people. And that if someone's failing, that makes them feel good. That kind of takes away what we read in the scriptures is honoring our brethren, isn't it? Or being understanding that says, I'm poor in spirit. And their diet is wickedness. And their diet and what they drink is wickedness and violence. When you take this into consideration, there's another part of this that says they made that choice. And when they make that choice, sometimes it's hard to get them to turn around, isn't it? Why is that? Because they've been going to the path so long they can't see them. It's just, it's, it's natural, isn't it? It's not like driving to New Jersey and you take, take the right going over all the way. You can't make U-turn until you go several miles. <laughs> well, the first mistake is New Jersey. I don't mean to be ugly about it. <laughs> I had to train in New Jersey and had to work over there some and don't even get started. But you're exactly right. When you get started on this path, it's hard to stop, isn't it? Because there's other people on that path that are going, come on, come on, man, this is great. Let's go do this. And a lot of times they do these things and they don't even know they're doing it, do they? Because they've done it so long. And that's not what the Lord looks at us for, is it? The Lord looks for us to be Christ-like in our action, in our speech, in our walk, the whole thing of our being, isn't it? When you go a little farther in this, in Proverbs, 18, uh, Proverbs 4, 18 and 19, we come back to the just, and it says, but the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines, that shines ever brighter until the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. When we know or we've read and, and knowing there's good Bible students in here, when we look at light versus darkness, what, what do we see with light? You see everything, don't you? And with darkness, what is there? Covers evil. Covers evil. That's a good point. If you go to 1 John 1, 1 John 1, In 1 John 1, John is, is a person that cuts to the chase. He doesn't say, well, this was written by John, the apostle, a guy that's been on the road and everything else. What does he do? He goes, we've seen Jesus. We've heard him. 
We've beheld Him in the first part. In other words, we've seen what He's been doing. We know He's real because the Gnostics back then were saying, He's not really a person, is He? He's not really the Son of God. And John just goes right in there and goes, bam, and says He's the Son of God. We've touched Him. But guess what He does when you go into 1 John and you come to verse 5? After he's already said this about Jesus, about the deity of Jesus, he says, this is the message, verse 5, which we've heard from him, that's Jesus, and declare to you that God is what? It doesn't say God is the light, does it? It doesn't say God is one of the lights, does it? It doesn't say that he's you know, a fluorescent light, it says what? God is light. <laughs> and when it goes on farther, it says, and in Him is no darkness. And what does your say at the end? At all. I know some of y'all have been into caves before where they turn off the lights. Can you see your hand in front of you? Can't see nothing. If they didn't turn on the lights, we wouldn't get out, would we? What it's saying there is God doesn't even have a pinch of darkness. He doesn't have the darkness on the corner of the slide. He doesn't have darkness from His very beginning because what did He do? He spoke into existence what? Light. And when you see this and you go farther, it talks about this fellowship. Here here we're going down this path. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, what happens? That's the first thing. We lie and do not what? Practice the truth. Then it says, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, meaning as we're here. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, does what? Without blood... There's no cleansing, is there? Without the blood of Christ, we can't be set free, can we? And John's hitting it right on the button, isn't he? And then he says, if we have no sin, if, and here was no sin, we are deceiving ourselves besides uh, being a liar. But if we confess our sins, what is it? He is faithful and just to do what? To forgive our sins. So when we choose the right path and we're going down the right path, we're going to need pardon, aren't we? We're going to need some help. And that pardon comes from the cleansing blood, doesn't it? And when we go down that right path and we say, well, we don't, we're not sinning. And then we come down and say, if we say we have not sinned, or in other words, we've never sinned, what happens? That's worse, isn't it? We make who a liar? Not us. We make God. I don't think as a Christian we want to go against the Creator, do we? (laughs) I don't want us to think that it's okay to do it. And he even writes in the next chapter that he writes these things that you may not sin because what? We have a what? An advocate. 
which means that if I'm sitting at the table and I'm accused, who's over on my right side? The attorney, isn't he? The advocate for me. Well, that advocate is Jesus. And he's already said that he's deity, that he's the son of God. So there's importance of all that. And when we see this, this light, it's interesting to me that when you go back to Proverbs chapter 4, I looked at this a little bit maybe different than, than maybe you thought about it. But when you think about the way that this is written about the light, it says that the light in, in verse 18 is, is, a shi- is like the shining sun that shines even brighter unto that perfect day. Well, we know there's stumbling in the darkness. We know that God is light. We know that when we go to John, we will in a minute, John chapter 8 and 9 talks about Jesus being light. Well, the light is brighter and brighter. The Christian life to me, I'm putting on here, is progressive. If you look at 1 Peter 2.2, go to 1 Peter 2.2. As you're going there, as a person is beginning their walk, just like those children back there, 1 Peter 2.2, it says, course, the very first verse says, laying aside malice, guile, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking. But then it says, verse 2, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may what? Grow thereby. So as, as we're going down this path, we might not have all the information. Those children back there that are learning Bible studies they're in that beginning of the path, aren't they? They're starting to build that knowledge as that path goes. And to me, it starts to brighten more and more, doesn't it, for them? And when you look at that, if you go over to Second Peter 3 and verse uh, 18, 2 Peter 3 and verse 18, you're familiar with this verse, It says, but grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. So part of this Christian life is that it is a movement. It is a walk, isn't it? We learn. Of course, we're all learning every day, aren't we? But you have to start somewhere, don't you? And you take these children that are learning, they're starting in the light. It's kind of like when you're teaching a child, when that light comes on, they go, oh, yeah. Danny probably seen that before, where all of a sudden, poof, they've got it, don't they? Well, it's a journey. And when we take that journey, and we take it with God leading us, the path of wisdom is that word that we're, that we're studying and we're starting to know the scriptures. We're starting to understand what sin is and what needs to be done, don't we? And we've been through that. And as we choose that path and we let the Good Shepherd lead us, we understand that that light, according to Proverbs, gets brighter, doesn't it? And we have more confidence. We have more faith, don't we? 
as we develop it. When you think about it, in John 8 and 9, if you go back to John 8 and 9, I always say that in, in chapter 8 of John, the uh, people didn't believe that Jesus was the light. In verse 12 of, of chapter 8, it says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He, he who follows me shall not walk in what? So if we're taking the right path, we don't want the darkness side, if we follow that light, we're going to be going down the right path and we're not going to walk in darkness, but we will have the light of what? Mine says life. So when we look at that, of course, the Pharisees, Sadducees, and the groups didn't uh, believe him. They thought because he said that if you had known me, you would have known my father in verse 19, and he, they didn't like that. And at the end of this chapter, what do they do? They pick up stones to do what? To kill him. And then the interesting part, when you come to chapter 9, he runs into this man that was blind from birth. And here is the light. And, and he told him, go wash in the pool of Siloam after he had made clay with saliva. So he went through the water and he came back and he was still blind, wasn't he? Just seeing if you're reading it. He came back and he could see and they didn't believe him. But the light worked, didn't it? In chapter 9. And we understood that he was the light. And he said, they even asked him, how'd you open your eyes? He said, I've already told you. Jesus did it. Jesus opened my eyes. When we take this into account and understand that we too can have this light, an interesting quote that, that an individual had in a, a Bible text, study textbook on Proverbs, it says, when we begin in that path, it is like beholding the first rays of dawn. As we follow, the days get brighter and brighter, and we can see the righteousness of God's way more and more. In time, this path will bring us to the perfect day. I don't know how many of you are hunters, but when you hunt in the morning, you get out I know you're going to say you're crazy, people. It's dark, and you get up in the stand, and it's cold. And when that first ray of sunshine comes out, there's a different smell. It's a neat smell in the woods. And it's a brightness that you see the glory of God. And here it's the same thing. You're looking for that end of that path for eternity, aren't you? And when we understand that there's no darkness in God, that we can have fellowship with Him and know that we continue in the light, that's reassuring to us, isn't it? It's reassuring that, number one, as, as you said, you're going down the right path. It's reassuring that you're doing the right things, that you're reading the right material. Any comments so far? I'm sorry, I meant... Yes, sir. Yeah, think about these these paths, the the 
narrow path and the wide path. And being the industry that I'm in dealing with fiber optic cabling, you have different types of fiber optics. You have ones called single mode and then you have multi-mode. And a fiber optic cable, the outer diameter of it is 125 microns, which is literally the size of a human hair. And for on the single mode aspect of it, the inner core of it that light passes through and all the data and information is nine microns. A multi-mode, same outer diameter, but you, the inner diameter is 50 microns. So a lot larger pathway for it to go. So a lot of people in the enterprise spectrum choose multi-mode because it's cheaper and it, it offers a little bit more flexibility, but it's limited and there's only so much you can do with it. Well, the single mode is a little bit more expensive and the pathway is smaller, but it can carry so much more information, handle so much more, the capabilities are so much broader. Same thing with us on, in the path that we walk with, in, in our walk with Christ. Yeah, the, this wider path, it has a lot more to offer and it's easier, but it's limited because of what is out there. But the narrow path that we take with Christ it's harder, it's more difficult, there's, there's more cost to it, but the rewards are so much more fulfilling out there and, and, and it, it allows us to do so much more without certain limits within it. You know, that's one part that I didn't go that I thought too, that's good. There's a cost in there. There's a cost to either path, isn't there? Might be eternal life, here is the cost eternal punishment, right? And we sometimes forget that, that there's a cost for us doing it. Just like us taking the path, we're learning as children, we, we develop more, there's more expected as we get older. There's more that we should be doing as we get older. And Jesus says, you need to pick that path, don't you? Well, there's another part of this that's important. If you look at Proverbs 4.23, Proverbs 4.23, it says, keep your heart with all diligence. And I won't read the next part. I put on there, guard your heart. Why would I say guard your heart when it says in here, keep your heart with all diligence? In verse 23. Yours, I don't know how else that reads. I'm not even reading the second part of it. Why would I say you need to guard your heart? Your heart misleading. Heart's involved with everything, isn't it? It's your, your pump, isn't it? For blood, for your life sustaining. And your heart is exactly right. It can lead you in any direction, can it? When you think about this, if you guard your heart, look at Proverbs 3. Go back just a couple of pages. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 that I have up there says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on whose understanding. It says, when I make this choice, God's in charge, right? Not me. If I try to take the place of God, I'm a loser already. 
when you look at uh, verse 6 of, of chapter 3, he says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and what will he do? He will direct your what? Pass. It's just like that shepherd. What does a shepherd do for the sheep? Leads. Supplies, right? Keeps them out of danger. What else? Exactly. When you think about that shepherd, he's putting his life between him and the sheep, isn't he? He makes sure they're taken care of. So with that, there's another part of it with that, and it's safety. If you look at Proverbs 29, Proverbs 29, 25, I was worried I didn't put that up there right. Proverbs 29, 25, it says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be what? Mine says safe. Yours might say secure. Don't you want to be secure as you walk down these roads in the light? <laughs> Don't you want to have this safety as part of it? Well, there's a catch to this, though. If you go to Proverbs 17 and verse 3... We don't get out all that easy if we just have a really good heart. Because what's going to happen? In 17 and verse 3, it says, The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord does what to our hearts? He tests our hearts, doesn't He? Because what our heart can do is can lead us, as Nate said, in different directions, can it, if we don't have it right? Uh, because as you can have it as wise or you can have it as crooked. Look at 10.8, 10 and verse 8 of Proverbs. The wise in heart will receive commands, but a prating fool will fall. And then in 11.20, which is right across from it, it says those who are of a perverse heart are a great deed to the Lord. It's abomination, isn't it? Yeah. I must have read that wrong. You think so? When you take this, those who are of a perverse heart and abomination to the Lord, but such as are blameless in their ways are what? He's delighted. When you think about that, I did not put the last part of the verse up, but the last part of the verse, what happens? It says, for out of it, the heart, springs the issues of life. You know, when, when we think of this and we, we think of the issues of life, it, to me, when I read that, it means that that heart guides us in everything we do, isn't it? When you, when you think about the issues of life, it means that whole way, that whole walk. It's not just saying life. It's saying as we take that walk down that right path that our heart affects us, how we choose and how we go. When you go a little farther, it says in verse 26 and 27, as you go back to Proverbs 4, go back to Proverbs 4 in 
and verses 26 and 27. It says, ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. And in verse 27, it says, do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. You know, it's interesting when you get a chance and you read through here from 20 on down through 27, it talks about our heart, talks about our lips, it talks about our eyes, and it talks now about our feet. So here's a part that says internally our life is structured through our heart, isn't it? And what's happening is we don't want to deviate from that path. When we go and think about our lips, what can happen with what we say? It can cause problems, can it? Because in Matthew 12, in verse 36, it says, we will, I'm paraphrasing, we will account for what? Every idle word that we speak will be held accountable. You know, when you think of your eyes as part of these things, we're looking down that path. We're looking for what we need to be doing. We're watching where we're going. We're making sure we're on that path, but we're making sure we're doing it right, aren't we? Because we don't want to stumble. And we're looking not only at the goal, but we're looking at truth that's carrying us to that goal, aren't we? And then the very bottom part of this, it it talks about ponder the path of your feet. And the American Standard Version says, make level that path. And as we're going down that path, we want to make sure it's level and we know where we're going, don't we? Because if we let darkness creep in, if we let things creep in that aren't supposed to be there, what happens? We lose. Any comments on this? Yes, sir. Proverbs 4.23, it doesn't say keep your heart for out of it flow the issues of life. It says keep your heart with all diligence. So that word implies a great deal of effort, focus, attention in what we're doing. Exactly. There, there's some work involved in it, isn't there? And we will have a lesson on laziness here pretty soon. You can't be lazy on this path if you're going to be moving the right way, can you? Any other comments? Yes, sir. We tell everyone to uh, keep it between the ditches when they're on a road trip. As long as your eyes are fixed ahead, as long as you're watching where your feet are going, um, you're on the path and you're not going to trip up. The tripping, the stumbling, the, all the problems start, the collisions, the wrecks, all of that starts when you're not looking ahead. You'll end up in a bad place. Exactly. Keep it between the ditches. Real quick, when you uh, turn to, I just thought of this, uh, Deuteronomy 5 and verse 32. Deuteronomy 5. You don't have to turn to it. I'll read it. Deuteronomy 5.32, it says, Therefore you shall be careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. So here's the commandment. 
here's the path, this is what we follow, and it says, you shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. So it, it's not new, is it? And I know, I think, if I can find it, go to Deuteronomy 25 and look at verse 13, I think it is. You shall not have in your bag differing weights, a heavy and a light. You shall not have in your house differing measures, large or light. I think I've got the wrong verse. No, it's 20. I think it's Deuteronomy 28. That's what it is. Let's see. Deuteronomy 28. Let's try 13 and 14. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above and not be beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord, your God, which I command you to today and are careful to observe. Then in verse 14, it said, you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you. Here it goes a little bit different. Any of the words that he commands you this day to the right hand or to the left, go after other gods and serve them or in idolatry. I finally found it. Sorry about that. I think they're getting ready to come in, so thank you for uh, all of your comments. <laughs>